Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for life and leadership in Christ. Powered by Greg Fay Insurance, your local insurance agent you need to call for protection today. Go to gregfayinsurance.com. Friends, today on the podcast, Robert and Kaylee Vakui, they are all about helping you level up your marriage and your business. They're the authors of Power Couples by Design and the book Tandem. And in today's conversation, we talk about what it means to have work and home harmonize. As a leader, I know that there are so many struggles and tensions between work and home. This conversation is really all about helping you navigate that. They've got some great insight about fun and about how to have a heart for small businesses and all the ways that you and your spouse can work together. I know you're going to love this conversation. And if you do, do me a favor, share it with a friend, maybe somebody who you know is married and struggles with that work-home life balance, or somebody who wants to level up their marriage. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Robert and Kaylee. Guys, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. All right, Tony. Yeah, no, thank, thank you for, you having, for having us. Thank you for having us. Looking yes. forward to this. And we're going to be as, we feel comfortable that we can be as Jesus y as possible. <laughs> <laughs> as Jesus y as possible. <laughs> uh, well, I, I love to start with kind of that bigger picture, right? And, and kind of the macro viewpoint. I, I'm curious, how would you guys each describe the calling that God has placed on your life? And Kaylee, we'll start with you. The calling. Well, I grew up third generation entrepreneur family, and I saw some of the ups and downs of that and some of the great things. We were able to go on vacations, family. Uh, Some of the challenges is that when I got older, I was told I was going to work. One day we came back from vacation and said, my dad said, you're going to work the next day. And it was tough on the family. My dad works six days a week. Hmm. I'm all about the fun. And when I, uh, my dad would be like, okay, you stay back and work. And my whole family would go on vacation or celebrations, whatever that looked like without me. So that was really challenging. And I grew up in a family where we were told as kids, they're to be seen and not heard. You just look pretty, sit over there in the corner. You don't speak up for yourself. I don't never ask questions. Don't question authority. And so I think that's kind of involved in what we're doing now is because I have a heart for small businesses to succeed. Some of that stems from, you know, have you ever seen your favorite product or restaurant or service go out of business? Because sometimes they're just not priced right. And we would have been willing to pay more for that. So my heart goes to those people. And it also goes out to women that don't have a voice. We're raised to not speak up. Uh, You know, you might have a gut feeling. It could be the Holy Spirit saying something to you. And so many times I've gotten talked out of that because other people didn't agree with me. And so I'm all about um, having better work-life balance, having helping women find a voice and for businesses to succeed. Robert, what about you? Same, same question. How would you describe the calling God has placed on your life? Well, I think it comes down to two words is just developing people. And I, I got that interestingly from an award I received in my last 
position in marketing sales for a pharmaceutical company. So it was kind of in the middle of our sell, national sales meeting. And that's usually, so at the dinner, they kind of you know announce who won best performers and all the, you know, put out all the awards. And so one of the awards they were uh, giving out that year, I think they initiated that year, was around their core values. There was five essential core values, and one of them was developing people. And so I, I got this award for developing people. And so it's a middle national sales meeting. So, you know, I don't know, three, 400 people, salespeople and stuff. And so I was like, I was like, that's an interesting award. I'm like, I don't get it <laughs> because I'm in, I'm in sales at the time I was in sales. I'm out in the field and we don't have an office to go to because in pharmaceuticals, our territories are so spread out. We don't go into an office because it's logistically would not make sense. So I start from home. My office was at home. Um, we'd have maybe twice a month meetings with our sales district, you know, on a conference call. And then quarterly, we'd have a, a meeting, physical in-person meeting. And then twice a year, we get together as a, a, a national meeting. So I didn't have a lot of day-to-day -day interactions with people, even my manager and other salespeople. So I was always like thinking, why? I don't get this. Um, I don't, I'm not a manager or leader in any respect, at least by title. But then I remember reflecting on a lot of comments that um, my district mates would, would say to me and even my district manager about that I was the glue in the district. Um, and even my manager, even when she needed to process something, she would call me. Mm. And so and then I did have some sales training positions here and there, whatever. And so I guess I was always looked at, I guess, in the district, like a kind of a mentor and even within the organization is kind of a mentor. So I guess. What that showed me was, I guess I didn't need to have a lot of interaction with people, but I feel sound like seemed like it made an impact. And so when I was trying to figure out, you know, my next steps of, I was kind of going through a process of identifying my personal brand, and uh, and I was like, so Killing did this exercise one time in Pismo Beach where we wrote our life story in one page, it just whatever comes to mind. It was just a creative writing experience where you just write whatever comes to mind in one page about from, from the time you're born to, to now, just write. There's no, you know, there's no specific processing, just write, just creative writing, whatever comes to mind. And then we wrote a little bit about each other as well. And then we compared notes to see what we wrote about each other. And then one thing she wrote on there, it wasn't, it didn't say develops people, but it was something to that extent and so I asked her what she, what she meant by that, why she did, and it was kind of similar to what my district mate said. And and it, immediately I, I saw the I saw the award. It's this little crystal. It's just sitting right there. I immediately saw the picture. I'm like, oh, develops people. I go, I guess that's who I'm about. So it's not about what my position was or title or even as we're doing as a consultant right now. But whatever whatever I do, I'm, I always see the opportunity to just develop someone, even if it's just for a moment or you know one word or or you know a phrase or something that seems like it can make an impact. So um, yeah, I'm all about developing people. Just one of the things that I see in your guys' writing and kind of the work that you do in the world today is it has a lot to do with harmony, right? You talk about harmonizing work and home. And I'm curious, there's a lot of leaders listening right now who, um, who want that, but maybe don't even know how to define it. So I'm wondering if you could give us a working definition of what harmony looks like between work and home. Yeah, so we, we've used the term work-life balance another, not a lot because that's what people understand that concept. <laughs> but we get all kinds of you know comments about that. But 
balance a lot, and that's the crux of it. Why we don't have balance in our lives because we don't know how to define that. And so I think the people that push back on balance is because they define it with a quantitative approach, being how much time do we spend in each area. And we say it's not a quantitative issue. It's not about how much time you spend. It's about the quality of time you spend in each areas of your life. And it doesn't take a lot of time to just pour into your spouse, for, ex for example. People think we have to spend a lot of time with our spouse and our kids in order for there to be harmony or balance in our life. But the reality is it's the quality of it. So just take, for example, of, you know, just the, the best example is your, my, my sister-in-law, Kaylee's sister, when she's talking to her, one of her sons and the son said, talk to me with your face? Yes, because she's multitasking and she's horrible. She thinks she's good. And her son's telling her about his day. And he's like, Mom, can you just listen to me with your face? Because he's like wanting her to stop and give him a few minutes of her time. Yeah, so that's an example because we're so busy, right? And we're not being present for those moments. And we have those moments, mm. but we don't take advantage of those moments to be present with our kids or our spouse. When they're talking, we got stuff going on through our head or we're texting or we're in the middle of something, but we don't take that moment. So that's just an example of it doesn't take a lot of time. It's just that we don't take advantage of the time we have. Well, and I want to say one way we try and do that is have daily prayer together. We have our quiet time in the morning and then Robert's in his chair. It's big over stuff. I like cram myself in there. The dog gets up there and then we pray for each other every morning, try and uh, do it before their day starts. And that's just so encouraging and it doesn't take that much time. Yeah, and in fact, it's interesting because I'm sure there's a lot of pastors and you're a pastor too, but you know, statistically, there's a very low percentage of pastors that actually actively pray together, not just for themselves, but even for their spouse. And so that's a game changer because Pew Research, you know, this is more of a secular company, but they did research and they showed the divorce rate for couples that actively pray together, not just mealtime prayer. We're talking like what well, we're talking about, active, intentional prayer time together. Divorce rate was less than 1%, like mm -hmm. a fraction of 1%. And we have the solutions as Christians, yet we don't even take advantage of our own <laughs> our, our own solutions, right? Listen, if there's a, a drum that I beat on a regular basis, every time I talk to groups, it's pray for your spouse. It's pray for your, your spouse. Pray over them. So it, my wife and I were in the lowest points of our life, and um, a therapist gave us that, that piece of wisdom, and it's changed us forever. And I, I love... I love that you said it and gave the stat because that's something I would always do. So uh, I'm, I, I love speaking to like-minded people about this kind of stuff. It's so important. And it, when did you guys bring it into your marriage initially? Uh, I want to say three years ago, but I keep saying that. So which means it's got to be about <laughs> five years ago. <laughs> Probably about five years ago. And <laughs> yeah, to your just like with you, I mean, our marriage was doing good, but I think it just took it to another level and because one is you're starting the day praising each other it's just it's just a great way to start the day you're giving your first to god right and then your spouse i mean you know the rest it just sets the tone right and so just for your own day personally as well as relationally and i think is yeah definitely was a big change and there's us. nothing like having your husband pray for you i don't know what it is i can't explain it but it's just wonderful 
And we do it first thing before we get on our phones, you get on the computer, your day starts. So your mind is pretty clear at that point and you're not thinking about all the things you need to do or get done. Now you guys met or got married. You guys used the term merged in 2006. And one of the things I was reading about on your website is that for two years before then, you guys started doing marriage counseling to really get it right. Clear a lot of prep into this whole thing. Um, so, so two things. One, you guys met. And so give, give me the backstory. Two, what made you... Um, So the two questions were how we met and then what <laughs> what made me go to counseling. Yeah, what made us? <laughs> um, so we met online with a Christian on a Christian dating site called Christian Cafe, which I don't think is still around anymore. Mm-hmm. But it was just a um, I got spam in my AOL inbox, which dates this, obviously. <laughs> so, and so it just said make Christian singles. And I wasn't even actively walking with the Lord at the time, but I'm a pastor's kid. But uh, I, I thought, well, I, I know my mom would want me to meet a nice Christian woman. So I went on the website and I checked it out and I thought, OK, these women look pretty normal. And so I decided <laughs> to take a chance. And long story short, you know, Kaylee's profile caught my eye and, um, you know, we connected and we did eventually uh, meet within a, about two weeks. I think we, we met. Um, actually, two weeks after she finally responded to my request, because it took about three weeks, and then <laughs> we got to, we got we had dinner, and then uh, we started dating from that point on. But she didn't respond because she wasn't an active. Well, member. because he joined a membership, and my girlfriends from my old Bible study were all doing online dating. I was the last one to do it, so they knew how it all worked. You would get like five free days once a month or something like that. So I would just go on the free days and see, <laughs> look at things. And so by <laughs> the time he responded, he, I got his email and then responded back. It was like a month later. And he's like, who is this? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we, we had our first date. We had a, a dinner. And then we, about a month after we met, Kaylee dis- suggests that I go see a counselor. Yeah, I think you mm. need to go, honey. <laughs> so I'm thinking, like, one, are we even dating? Because I mean, I just bet I just met her. Two, like, what? We haven't even had an argument yet. <laughs> it's like, it's like what, why do I need to go to counseling? <laughs> and so the backstory is that um, I had been married previously to my childhood sweetheart that I met when I was 12 years old, and a year and a half before I met Kaylee, she died in a tragic car accident. And so Mm. um, she, Kaylee was just one to kind of be sure or have some kind of comfort that I was, you know, had grieved and grieved well and was ready to really date and accept, you know, a a new, you know, someone new in in my life. So that was the start of it. But then it just became relationship counseling until the time we got married two years later. Yeah, I thought he was, uh, he seemed like a great guy. And I told my girlfriends from my Bible study, you know, about his previous wife passing away. And they're like, oh, that's great. At least there's no ex-wife involved. And I said, no, you don't understand. It's like, I don't want to feel like I'm competing with a ghost. I know he'll always love her and I'm okay with that. But I don't want to go like two years down the road and find out he doesn't have room in his heart for me. 
That's uh, that's a, a ton of wisdom in that approach. Um, one of the things that I noticed about your story is that you guys didn't start out doing business together. As a matter of fact, when Robert, when you kind of went your own path, Kaylee asked if she could help, and you were quick to dismiss her. How, how did that? I, I don't mean that. How did that sounded mean? I didn't mean it mean, but like that was that's, I, that's, 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 that's how it was. That's how it was. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, how did you guys go from that to where you are now, which is not only working together, but you're now you're helping other couples work together? So I said no, just like a lot of other spouses would, because I didn't think it would be good for the relationship. I can't work with my spouse. Things are good now. Why screw it up? Right? Right? Yeah. Why ruin a good thing? And so really what it came down to, I was worried about the conflict and really what set us up to be able to do it well was goes back to the two years we were in counseling was that's basically what our two years was about was really our counselor giving us the tools to really how to resolve any issue without becoming an issue. Right. Too many times like growing up, my dad's a pastor, but they don't maybe they do now, but they didn't teach you know conflict resolution in, in seminary. And so my dad didn't do it well. My, my parents didn't do it well. So which meant what, what, what would I model was what I grew up with. And Kaylee's the yeah. same way. I didn't have the tools. We just didn't talk about things. We put it under the carpet. We would hang up on the phone on each other. We'd walk out of the room, get in the car, storm off, uh, just write you off. <laughs> so we didn't resolve conflict. Yeah. So we didn't have good habits of doing conflict. And so... Our counselor really helped us walk using real life issues like finance, in-laws, you know, all the things that you deal with after you get married, we dealt with before we got married. And so not only did they give us tools, but that first year, you know, they said sometimes the first year or two could be pretty tough. But, you know, it's like that wasn't too bad because we had already worked on those big issues already. But we also had tools when we did have disagreements. It didn't become an issue. And so. Over the years, we just got better and better at it. So it's not like we don't have arguments anymore, but we're much quicker now at just resolving the issue without it becoming an emotional blow up. And so that's what—that's the foundation, what allowed us to now work together well now, which goes into part of the work that we do with other entrepreneur couples is that that's, that's the core issue. And then we also came up with our rules of engagement for when things come up, how are we going to handle it? What's okay? What's not okay? So what she's kind of talking about is our rules of engagement when we do have a disagreement. How do we have a productive conversation? Mm. And so the things that you don't do, like we call out of bounds, is the things that would trigger your spouse. So we kind of know what we can do Mm. or say to kind of trigger (laughs) your spouse. Sometimes you do it intentionally. Sometimes you do it unintentionally. But being attention, taking, being aware of those things, those triggers, which basically creates an emotional negative response, yeah. and that's the where the conflict comes in is really about arguing about the emotional triggers as, and not so much about the topic at hand, and so the emotional issue becomes bigger than the actual issue itself. Can you give me some examples, right? Like, let's go through some triggers for you guys. And I'm sure that there's some leaders who can see themselves in this kind of same environment. Get, maybe share some of your rules of engagement. Okay, so one of them is we say to each other, and this is different for each couple, and we help our c- couples come up with their own. Sure. Since we were talked about earlier about conflict resolution, my family was always walking out on each other. And so, you know, you have all this abandonment stuff going on. So I thought in my head, like, 
if Robert gets upset with me, he can walk out the door. And in my mind, I don't know if he's coming back or not. Mm. And so that causes anxiety and fear in me. And I'm walking on eggshells all the time, like, oh, I can't speak or say what I'm feeling because I might upset the apple cart. So one of the things we say to each other, like, uh, if I have something important that I need to say that I know that could possibly wound him or trigger him, we will say to each other, I'll say, like, honey, um, I need to say something to you. Can you guard your heart? So that will give him a couple seconds to um, not be reactive, and he Take can a think. Deep breath, yeah, because <laughs> I know something's coming, and I go, uh, and, I, and I think to my, I, I think, yeah, and I think to myself, don't react, don't react, don't react, and then I said, okay, go. And then I'm not catching him off guard because how many times have we caught our spouse off guard or a yeah. relationship? You know, like the worst possible time you're saying this to me, and my mind isn't in a good place. I'm not prepared. So we say that, and then after that, we're able to have the conversation. Or we'll say, if if that's not a good time for him, he will say to me, you know what, honey, I'm not in a good place right now. Can we have this conversation such and such day and time? And then we live up to that. And I think the other important aspect of like her, the example she gave about walking out was those triggers are usually something that reminds you from childhood. Yeah, and so a lot of times the spouse doesn't understand why that's such an issue, and we go, "Why are you so over? Why do you overreact? Or you're just too sensitive about this issue?" I'm coming back. I'm gonna. I just. I just need to take a breather, take the dog for a walk, and calm down. I come back. What's the big deal? But if I don't say, you know, I'll be, I'll be back in ten minutes or fifteen minutes or half an hour or whatever, and then we'll pick the conversation back up. In her mind, I may never, I may never come back as she was suggesting, and that because. Her dad never came back. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's exactly what happened in childhood, right? Dad walked out, never came back. So hence, that's why it's a trigger. And so when we talk about triggers, we talk about, okay, why is that an issue? And it's important for the spouse to understand why it's an issue so you can really empathize with the fact that, oh, that's why I should stay away from that issue or that trigger, right? Because otherwise it's just, you know, that's, that's just a, why are you making such a big deal out of this? And that's kind of the common issue. But when you understand why it's such a big deal, why you know what the memory is that it, it's tied to, then now as me, because I never thought that I'd walk out because my parents never did that. So I never thought about doing that. But when our counselor was talking through that, about hey, if you ever feel the need to leave, to cool down, this is what you should do. And it, it never dawned on me. But when I heard the story, then I'm like, oh, OK, I get it. Okay, now this is fair, right? That's fair. Okay, if I need to walk out, we're going to talk about this. I said, I, I tell her I need to calm down, but when I come back, we'll pick it up. We'll talk about it. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation to remind you to sign up for the Follow to Lead newsletter. The Life and Leadership newsletter comes out every single week. It's the best way to stay dialed into all the things that God is doing on this platform and how to make sure that you level up your leadership. As always, our goal is to help you, the leader, live a life of integrity, a fully integrated life. To sign up, go to follow the number two leadcoaching.com backslash quiz. We have a quiz there. Super easy to do. I know you'll love it. It'll help give you some insight on where you stand on living a life of integrity. 
All right, guys, let's finish up this conversation with Robert and Kaylee. How long does it take usually for a couple that you're working with or for you guys to really define what's out of bounds? Is this something that took six months, a year? You do it over the course of a weekend, like any of those? How, how long does this kind of self dis Because this is like deep wounding kind of stuff. How long does it take to kind of sort through some of that? Well, the initial identification is pretty quick. It's just asking, okay, what, what do you not like or not like when you guys have an argument? <laughs> so you just you kind of already you kind of already know what the triggers are, and so identifying the triggers is is pretty quick. And then like you're talking about self discovery and really getting down deep. I mean that could be a process, but it first starts with asking the why. Why is this an issue? Why is this a trigger? And then you start going through the childhood memories. So that process can be like an hour, you know, ninety minutes just to identify. But then as a couple, it takes a while to really process that talk about it and just being able to, you know, for the both sides to really empathize on why this is such an issue, why this is such a trigger. So that part will take a while and it can take, you know, a couple of days to weeks to months for, for it to, for them to really become empathetic about the issue and mm. become self-aware about the trigger. And so, you know, it's not like the next argument they have, they're going to be totally good and they're going to stay away from the trigger. I mean, they'll still hit triggers. <laughs> it takes a while for them to, to kind of work through it and to, to be, become more and more self-aware. Because even for us, right, it's, we're still kind of learning. It's not like we never hit the trigger anymore. Sure. But we are more aware every time. So we tend to stay away. But if we do hit it, we become more aware of, we identify, oh, I hit a trigger. And then I'm quicker to respond, or she's, you know, both of us become quicker to respond and to backtrack and go, okay, I probably didn't <laughs> do the right thing here. You know, what do you need for me at this point? What do you, what do you need for me? It's just asking that question. What do you need for me? Because we kind of get into this cycle of insanity of just kind of triggering each other. So we just have to take a step back and ask each other, okay, what do you need? So we just become quicker and quicker as we become more and more aware of the issue. So that, you know, like we're 17 years of marriage and we're still dealing with it, but it gets better and better as you go along. One of the things that's interesting to me is that you guys went from separate careers, you know, with all of your kind of baggage from growing up to then eventually you've, you've built this business together now where you're helping coaches and or you're coaching entrepreneurs and couples all over the country. And then you guys wrote a book together, Tandem, right? And it's, it's all about, you know, it's, it's a guide for the married entrepreneur for greater work-life balance. But that kind of process is so much more detailed than anything else that you guys have done. What was it like writing a book with your spouse? Well, first, we had a third party. It's almost like hiring another <laughs> counselor. <laughs> That's, um, I think it's wise. I, I tell tell yeah. us about it. So we hired a ghostwriter and yeah. I knew if we were going to write this book, we needed help because otherwise it wasn't going to happen. You know, there's, you know, we've got our business, we got our lives and all that. And just for me, you know, I write the e weekly e-blast, I write a little blog and stuff like that. But to write an entire book, because I know how long it takes for me to write an email like to our list, right? So to think about writing an entire book, it was like, ugh. <laughs> And, we, and to be frank, we didn't have a whole year to take off to write a book. Yeah. Because once you get into it, I mean, it takes time to do it. Well, I even, you know, a lot of writers even they don't take a whole year off just to dedicate on it, but you have to fit it in, right? So that so means you're means, saying no to a lot of other things. That so you which means do. how long is this going to take? 
And so we just decided to hire a ghostwriter. And so what she did was she interviewed us for about an hour for each chapter. And then she, you know, sent out a draft um, in a couple of weeks. And so for us, the writing process wasn't that difficult because one, I wasn't doing the writing, um, at least the, the initial part. Um, and it actually was almost like hiring a coach. And it really helped us actually clarify our own message and who our audience was. Mm. Uh, because she was asking us questions because she generally didn't know, right? And so sometimes she would ask us a question that I hadn't really thought about or hadn't really thought about it in a while. Like, seriously, like one question she asked, which is very, like, like just very elementary from a marketing perspective, was who's your audience? Like, who, who hires you for... Um, you know, for, for consulting. And at first I was going to give the answer I typically gave, but I thought about it. I'm like, I would say like, Oh, the entrepreneur couple, you know, they, they have the tension between business and home. And so they want to do it better. So they hire us. But as I thought about it in that moment, I said, no, the business owner hires us. It's the business owner that happens to be married and they are facing the issue. And Either they're working with their spouse and or they're not, but regardless, is they understand the issue of I got this business I got to deal with, but I also got my marriage that I should mm. be investing in, but I'm not doing well, and so the business owner is the one that says I got to do this better, I want to do my business and my marriage better, and then the spouse is usually in agreement because they're saying yeah <laughs> we need to do this better, <laughs> right? Because if it was the non-working spouse, for example that says, hey, we need this, and try to get the business owner to to say yes, it might be a challenge if they haven't already identified it. Mm. And so the person that's going to write, pick up our book that's going to make the change is going to be the business owner. And I want to say, don't be afraid to go and get help if you need it. If that's not your yeah. sweet spot, something that you're great at and you're passionate about, get help so you can do the things that God created you to do, be in your zone of genius. I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, I, I love you guys have a really consistent message of getting help and being in community. And I, I recently saw that you guys just got back from Alaska where it looked like it was a kind of an immersion experience with couples. I, I, I'm fascinated to know kind of like what was what was Alaska all about and how, how did it um, how did it work out? Well. In short, it was great. It was a great experience all the way around. Um, we had, so we have a client in Alaska. We've been working with them for about three years, right in the COVID year, they reached out to us. And we've been working with them three years and seeing just such tremendous progress in their business and their and their relationship. And then their pastor saw the change that we were having in their life. And so they, and they come, the pastor comes down here once a year for the, a conference that our church puts on once a year. And we've gotten to know them a little bit, but then they said, hey, we want to do a business conference and we want to bring you up. Hmm. And would you be interested? And I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Love this stuff. And, you know, they just shared. It's like, yeah, you know, we've known you a little bit, but we've also seen the change you've had in, 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 um, in our clients who, who attends our church. And we see the fruit. And so we really feel you should come up to impart some of that into the business community uh, in Anchorage. 
And so that's kind of how it started. And then so that was in October. But then once we got that booked, our clients said, oh, you should come up before the conference so you can get a lay of the land. And also, August is a better time to come up and we can take you fishing and all this kind of stuff. So really, it was a, hey, we'd love to just get to know you better before the conference starts. And so I remember Kelly's like, I don't want to go twice. And and then I was like, yeah, it's, you know, the expense of, you know, of that. And they're like, you know what? Obviously, mm-hmm. we've made an impact in their life and they want to spend more time with us on a different level. It's about yeah. relationships. And I think I think it's a worthy investment mm-hmm. of our time and money to go up there. And we had a great time. They showed I'm us. So glad we did. Yeah, we had a just amazing time. Caught our salmon. <laughs> Got the ring. We're still working through the salmon. <laughs> so just had an amazing time. And then the conference itself in October was tremendous. Really getting to just pour into the business community there and showing them how to do business that makes an impact. But then at the end, we said, but ultimately your biggest impact has to be at home. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how we wrapped up the weekend. So it's how to build this purpose-led business. But at the end of the day, if you don't have your relationships at home, you're really not going to be that happy. And then after that, well, we were talked a lot about relationships. You know, we can change communities because if you can go in and you can hire people, you can train them leadership, you can mentor them. There's so many things that you can do. Um, if you go by the baseball field if you look on the back of the jerseys it's usually all small businesses that are sponsoring it's not the big box Uh, so there's so much we can do as a small business in the community so let me ask you guys this Uh, a year from now your small but not really that small wide wide reaching business power couples by design uh, what are we celebrating about what God's done a year from now? If we're popping champagne together, you're back on the podcasts. What are we celebrating about what God's done through Power Couples by Design? That's a good question because that's actually we're taking next month off to kind of process that. Like, what does this <laughs> next phase of our life look like? Because with the book, it's been out a year and all the various speaking opportunities, podcasts, interviews, and stuff that we've started to be doing a lot more of this last half of the year, and just more and more opportunities are coming our way, we're like, okay, what does this next phase of our life look like, our life and our business? I mean, even contemplating, do we stay here in Pasadena or do we move somewhere else? So we're kind of at this moment. Um, so the question is going to be tough to answer because we're actually at that moment of trying to figure this out of like, That's okay, awesome. what does the next phase of our career look like? But if I was just to say just generally, you know, next year, we just see a bigger impact. We just um, – I just joined – I just stepped on the board of the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce. And they are doing some amazing work trying to obviously plant Christian chambers around the U.S. and then galvanize and network the ones that are already out there to really make it – just kind of create some cohesiveness and collaboration in the Christian business community. And for me to be able to sit on that board with some really, you know, people that are doing some great work is is awesome because it helps me or us elevate our own voice and our own message within that. Mm. Because there's such, like I said, we want to we want to scale our voice in the message that you don't, as an entrepreneur or even in ministry, that you don't have to sacrifice your personal life to achieve success in in your professional life. That you can do both well, and actually, if you have the proper alignment and priorities straight, that your business or your ministry could prosper because you're properly aligned by focusing on God and in your family first, mm. and then allow God to bless the rest of it. 
But if you do it the other way around, which you're ministering your business first, then that means you really don't believe that God can bless what you do yeah. because you have, you're doing it in your own strength mm-hmm. at that point. And so because that, especially in the Christian business community, we should flip-flop that. We should have, we have a better understanding of that because we know we don't do things in our own strength. We shouldn't be doing our own things in our own strength, right? At least exclusively, right? That we do need to rely on God the Father because, number one, he's got all the answers. And so we should always start our day and prioritize our life and our focus our relationship with our Father. And then our family because we were created for family, Yeah. <laughs> right? The first the first thing was, right, a marriage, basically. Yeah. So those are our two priorities. And if we do those right, then God can bless the rest. Mm-hmm. And you'll see a, just a, a, an exponential, I think, blessing on your business and your ministry if you get those two things right. And I see us doing a lot more speaking engagements. And I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> I'm the girl <laughs> that was like, didn't want to get up in front of people, seriously, and give my name. Because yeah. I thought I was going to forget it. Like I would just black out or something. And I've gotten so many words people said for so many years that I'm going to be speaking in front of large groups. And I'm like, Lord, can we negotiate on this? Because I'm very adventurous and we could do anything but that. And so I wrestled with that for quite a while. And he's like, no, this is not negotiable. <laughs> so I'm like, Lord. Oh, and Lord. then a lot of times I would hear people say, oh, if it's the Lord's will, it's just going to be simple and easy. And so I said, okay, Lord, I will uh, work on speaking more. I told my husband at the very beginning, don't don't volunteer me to go into any speaking engagements because it's got to be the Lord. If he wants me to do it, you know, people will come ask me. So I joined Toastmasters. We have the podcast, which even that I did not want to do. Robert's like, honey, you want to do the podcast? I'm like, have our own? I'm like, no. And I'm like, I can't believe you're even asking me that. So all that to say is stepping out in faith because I know I can't do it on my own or we can't do it on our own, that the Lord's going to have to open those doors and he's going to have to uh, go before me and show me what that's going to look like because I don't want to be stuck anymore living in my comfort zone because, oh, it's so comfy and cozy over here. I don't want to be nervous or I don't know, you know what I mean, put on the spot. All different things. Cause they, and they say that's one of the biggest fears is mm-hmm. public speaking. And I would say, too, that comes to mind, we want to do retreats this year for married entrepreneur couples. So we have that in the plans. We're talking about that. And um, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And we're all about celebration. Because you know what? Life's too short to not celebrate. And we don't want to just mark off the win and then go to the next thing and the next and never look back and thank the Lord for um, where he's taken us and brought us to. I love that. Uh, Okay. I have one more question for you guys. But before I ask it, uh, I know that my podcast family is going to want to be able to connect with you all over the interwebs. Where is the best place to learn all things Power Couples by Design and the Power Up marriage and business podcast, where can they find out about what God is doing in and through your guys' ministry? Well, a great starting point would just be our website, marriedentrepreneur.co. Can you spell entrepreneur, honey? 
she, she was getting on me no. a while when I We'll link that to domain. it in the show notes. We'll link to it in the show notes. It's easier that I'm just way. being honest, people, yeah. okay? She's like, why did you put the word entrepreneur in there? I can't spell it. Um, but yeah, links are good. So marriedentrepreneur.co. So the, our podcast is on there. Power up your marriage and business. But it's also on all the podcast players. And there's links to our so- social media site. Uh, Facebook, Instagram is Power Couples by Design. Um, or just connect with us personally, even on LinkedIn. Um, so, yeah, and then we can even um, just connect with us even on our website. You can even schedule a complimentary half-hour call and all that stuff. So, yeah, all that, the website's a great place to start. Okay, last question I love to ask people. It's the uh, the hardest question that I'll ask all day. I want you to go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice, except I get to name the season of life that you're in. Oh, boy. <laughs> right. So this is, I, I was thinking about this as I was kind of praying through our interview today. Uh, I want to take you guys back to um, the day before your wedding day. Ooh. You're getting ready to say yes to each other. You're getting ready to, to, to walk down the aisle and live happily ever after. If you could go back in time and sit knee to knee with that younger version of yourself and look him or her in the eyes hold their hands and give them one piece of advice. What are you going to tell them? Kaylee, we'll let you go first. What are you going to tell that younger version of you? I would tell the younger version of me to give him your whole heart and commit. Be Mm. all in. That there's no uh, plan B's. Amen. Robert, what about you? Yeah, it's a tough one. There could be a number of things, but it, and it's, this one might sound like a cop out, but it's uh, listen to your wife's feelings and make the decisions for us, not for me. And I'll just give a little reference to that is you know, a lot of times, even especially in business or anything finance related, generalized guys, we tend to disregard what our spouse's feelings are because we're looking at the dollars and cents or the analytics or whatever, the data, and the data says it's a good move, but your wife has a, a, a feeling it's not good. Um, this happened with us a couple of times, and it was really, it was a bad decision that I made, um, and it cost us a lot of money because she had a feeling. I, I ran the numbers. It was good. It looked good on paper, but she didn't have a good feeling about it. Um, and a lot of times what I say is like the Holy Spirit's not so much speaks to the wise better, but just I think the wise are more receptive to hearing. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're looking at the more of the details and the data. Um, but when she, one time we had an argument and disagreement, an argument, yeah, disagreement, and she said her piece, and then she ended with this. She says, I know you'll make the best decision for us. And something about the word us struck me. I don't know if she said it loud, but it sounded loud in my head. And I'm like, okay, it's not about me. (laughs) (laughs) So a couple things happened there was one, instead of fighting about it and and having the power struggle, she just released control, set her peace, released control, but then said, I trust you to make the decision for us. Mm. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us. And that thing hit me. And I remember spending that week processing the decision. And then finally, I'm like, nope, she's right. 
And then when I came back to her and said, you're right, she's like, Florida, I think. I know, because you do that sometimes. You'll be like, a couple weeks or a month later, he'll be like, honey, you remember, da-da-da. I'm like, no, because I already moved on. He told me no. So I moved on, hadn't thought about it. And he's like, well, I've been thinking about it. I'm like, all this time? He's like, yep. <laughs> it takes me, he goes, that's how I process. I think about things that you say later. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, so I think if I would have had that that point of view earlier, I probably would have listened to her feelings more, mm. you know? So I say that, you know, cause couples are listening and especially the husbands, a lot of times we disregard what our spouse has to say or think because it doesn't fit whatever. And so one is you're making decisions, not just for you, you're making decisions for us. And so really take that to heart. Mm -hmm. And like in our, my family, people weren't committed to their marriage and putting their whole heart in. It's like, oh, well, it's just a feeling. We we love them now, but, you know, what about later? If the feeling leaves, then you can get out, so. Wow, so good. Guys, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Thank you for sharing your story and for the work that you do with couples all over the world. Uh, it's been great to connect with you guys and um, praying that we stay connected as we both continue on this journey. Thank you, Tony. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you, Tony. What a fun dialogue with an amazing couple. I love the way they talk about harmony and marriage. I love the way they play off of each other. So many fun thoughts here. A lot of, lot of interesting ideas about power couples by design and what it means to work together in tandem. And I just know that if you decide to lean into some of the things that they're doing, you'll enjoy it as well. So... Thank you, Robert and Kaylee. Do me a favor, follow them on socials. Let them know that you heard them here on the podcast. It's always, always, always helpful when you do that. And as the usual, I'm super thankful for you, the opportunity to serve you, and the opportunity to have you a part of our community. So if there's anything I can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out. You know, I'm embarrassingly easy to find at TWMILT, T-W-M-I-L-T on Instagram or follow the number two leadcoaching.com. And remember, guys, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move. <laughs>